What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. The NFL draft is officially over, so I had to bring my guys, my analysts on to help me break it all down. I got first uh, Sterling Harris. Sterling, say what's up to the people. Yo, what's up? What's up? And I, got and I got Thomas on. Thomas, say what's happening. What's going on? Y'all, we got a great episode prepared. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. our breakdown as we expected trevor lawrence went first overall to the jags did not really expect travis Etienne to be also go to the jaguars urban meyer didn't end up picking him up as well it was funny because what i even said on the instagram account was i was like so it seems like when we thought at the clemson pro day whenever dabble swing was talking to urban the whole entire time it was about uh trevor but we didn't realize he was actually probably having a little conversation about travis what did y'all think about that pick sterling you go first uh, I actually called it <laughs> right before um, the pick happened because the Najee pick happened for Pittsburgh, and I was testing my boy Kyrell, and I was joking around um, about ETN because I was like, you know, ETN's a really good back because was on the phone during the draft, and I was like, but he doesn't look like a guy that's going to be playing in, like, a Detroit or a Chicago. I was like, he looks like a Miami Dolphin or, like, a Jacksonville Jaguar, and then, boom, the Jaguars, like, picked him up. But uh, I think it's a good pick in terms of um, trying to – make Trevor as your number one pick as comfortable as possible, giving him his running back. He's played with for, for, for uh, I think, about three years at Clemson. Uh, very productive back, can catch it, can run it um, between the tackles, can catch out the backfield, very complete. Also, having that they have two running backs that I don't think they see as the running backs for the future, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to take them there, especially with the amount of draft picks that they had, like in the draft in general. They was loaded on draft picks. So um, you can take a guy like that that's really, really good, and there's a first-round talent right there at 25 if you didn't have to move for him. So I, I think it was a good pickup, and I think it will work out well for him. Thomas, do you think that Urban Meyer is going to be the guy you ever get that Jacksonville program kind of turned around? Um, yeah, I think he's definitely the guy to do it. Um, will it happen, you know, overnight or this season? I don't know. Because, um, you know, uh, Urban's got to get, uh, you know, introduced to coaching at this level. We know, you know, he has a, a great resume at the college level. Um, but, I mean, they definitely are, are giving him the tools he needs to do it. Um, they're not just throwing him, you know, into a, a, um, a fire, you know, where he doesn't really have a lot of talent. So, um, I mean, I, I'd probably say give it about three seasons, three or four seasons, and, and they'll be, you know, one of the top teams in the league if they can keep the, you know, the, the nucleus of the team together. Yeah, you know Urban's all about winning it too. It's, it's so crazy to me because, like, he has stopped coaching or whatever – for because like the headaches and whatever the thing he had on his brain is like now he's going to yeah. NFL with an organization that isn't the best so a lot of headaches underway but hopefully he will be able to get it turned around I'm gonna go ahead and go to you here Thomas for the next question so you got Najee who went 24th and Travis who went 25th which one of those guys you think will overall be the better NFL back um I think overall uh ETN will be the better back 
I think Harris will have the, the quicker impact just because we know the Steelers kind of need a running back like right now. Yeah. And ETN got drafted to a team who already has uh, two, you know, um, veteran running backs. Well, one who was a rookie last year, but he rushed for almost 1,500 yards. So um, I don't think ETN will necessarily have as big of an impact as Harris coming in. But I think in the long run, um, it'll definitely be ETN because like Sterling said, he, he's a good pass catcher out the backfield. Um, he had a lot of production at Clemson. Um, which I think that would be the only thing that maybe will scare me is we know he stayed for all four years at Clemson, so that's a lot of miles. Yeah. Um, whereas Najee, you know, really his his biggest two years were his last two. He kind of uh, sat the bench for a little bit before he really got um, his chance to be the man number one. Uh, but still, I think in the long run, ETN will, will be a better back just because he kind of fits uh, more so of the the mold of the prototypical back that the league is is wanting these days. So yeah, I definitely think ETN. Got you. What about you, Sterling? Are we talking like better career or just better player overall? Like better career. I'm gonna go better career. See, that's a tough one because I feel like usually when we stack up careers, we 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 factor in um like wins. And with Najee going to a situation like the Steelers where um no matter how bad they seem to look each year, they're gonna, you know, be at least five hundred and maybe make the playoffs. Um mm-hmm. I feel like he could fall into a situation where he ends up maybe winning a Super Bowl ring quicker than ETN or even get into a, a chance to where he can, you know, win just in general fashion ETN because of Jacksonville's situation with rebuilding and everything. Um, so, I mean, Najee could in turn end up having the greater impact given that his team may just win, win more and that he'll probably have a big hand in that. But I think ETN, you know, he might be a, he might be a better um, pass catcher, but I, I do think Najee is – more suited to get the, those tough extra two to three yards after being hit in NFL, just with the way his body's built. Um, you know, each team has great balance, but um, I feel like if we're talking in this career, Najee may end up just with more wins and probably maybe even a ring just based off where he went in the draft, going to, to Pittsburgh, which is usually a winning situation as opposed to a rebuilding situation. So it just and depends. I, and Najee's like six foot three, right? Oh, he's huge. He's massive. Yeah, he's a big I did not realize that I, the like the memory in my head I have of Najee was when they played South Carolina. What was that like two years back? And he jumps mm-hmm. over somebody, throws off Ernest Jones. And I was just like, that's a that's a guy. But uh, also speaking of the Steelers, man, I was looking at their quarterback room. They got a lot of guys. They got I think Mason Rudolph still there. They got Josh Dobbs, Dwayne Haskins, and Big Ben. What do y'all think? Who do y'all think is the future quarterback of that organization? I think it's gonna be Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I think I think it'll be Haskins too. I think Haskins, we all seen, he has the talent. There's, there's no denying his talent, and I think he's hit rock bottom at this point, being released. <laughs> from, you know, his first, it's kind of nowhere to go but up. And and I haven't seen the way Haskins play enough to where I look at him like you know maybe like a Winston where you're like, well, he might be a turnover machine. I haven't seen enough of his play to to deem him that way. I think um I think Pittsburgh and Tomlin those got those guys to coach him up, build him up, and um. I think he'll be the future. Plus, if, he, if they do make him the quarterback, uh, I believe that's the route they'll rather go just because they wouldn't have to pay him, like, big buck money just because he hasn't played that much. And then they could even make their team even better around him and almost treat him like he was, like, his, in his first year coming in as a rookie-ish. So it, it'll be easier for him to – for the team to keep building. And if he's good, they can, you know, rattle off a win, maybe go to Super Bowl, depending on how well he plays. So I think it'd be Haskins. What about you, Thomas? Um, yeah, I think it'll be Haskins too. Um, I agree with Sterling. That's a, that's a good point about the the whole contract thing. Um, with just 
passing, not playing much. That um, well, I mean, number one, you know, he's getting to sit behind the Hall of Famer and Ben, so he's learning. But when that time does come, um, like Sterling said, he, he doesn't have that much uh, play on the field, so it's not like they'll have to dish out, you know, a bunch of money to him in order to give him the stay. So yeah, I, I think it'll be happening. Yeah, well, as we know, the Steelers always draft and just keep good receivers on the roster. But since we're talking about quarterback, we got to go to Zach Wilson, who went number two overall to the, to the New York Jets. Jets, Jets, Jets. I had it stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> hopefully he's able to get that organization turned around. Also saw they picked up Elijah Moore, who from Ole Miss, it seemed like a lot of people had kind of a first round grade on him. And you saw it on ESPN. It seems like he was a little bit disappointed because you know that all the cameras were on his house and he didn't end up going in the first round. He went early second. Y'all think Zach Wilson is the guy to get that organization turned around? I'll go to you first, Sterling. I don't know. I mean, I never really, I, I've been saying this for a minute. I never thought it was any reason for them to trade Sam Donald in the first place to just to reach for another quarterback like that. Um, that could be almost similar to him. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's really a quarterback thing with Zach Wilson. I think it's just a franchise thing. I think more coach and uh, GM is what would turn that franchise around more than just drafting Zach Wilson. Um, I feel like Joe Douglas really showed himself and, and showed out during the draft because when he traded back up at 14 to, to get Alavera Tucker from USC, I could see that the Jets were, had a plan in place okay. for how to draft this draft. And then to get a lot more early second to get, you know, the guy who just took number two, some help. I, I think we see a culture change possibly happening in New York, but it's still going to come down to, um, I think coaches putting people in the right positions. Um, Wilson can be really good, but I think he could also be really average and that team maybe possibly win because um, of the kind of overhaul and how they're going to do stuff and run and how they're drafting. Uh, I really like the way the Jets drafted. So I think Wilson could be good. But I don't think he's like a franchise-changing quarterback. If anything, it's just he came into a better situation than Darnold did. I mean, Darnold walked into the worst coach in, in, in NFL, <laughs> Adam Hayes. <laughs> um, and, and then he walked into a GM that that drafted and traded for people. No, no he signed people and, and wasted money in, before the draft even started and then got fired by the new head coach who just got there. The, the Jets were a mess with Darnold. So <laughs> I think it's more organizational structure, how they're doing things, than just drafting Zach, Zach Wilson. Okay. What you thinking, Thomas? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm right there with Sterling. I think I was kind of confused, you know, when they gave up Donald in the first place. I mean, uh, you know, why waste a pick that early on a guy if you're not even really going to give him that time, that much time to develop? Um, so, I mean, I agree with Sterling and the fact that, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's more of an organizational issue. Um, Wilson ain't really the guy that's going to turn it around day one. Um, I mean, we see he's, you know, a gunslinger. He's got all the attributes. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to surround him with the weapons. Um, but, I mean, I feel like at this point, this, this might have been Donald's breakout year with, you know, all the, all the pieces that they're surrounding him with. But instead, you got to start back from square one, you know, with a rookie quarterback uh, who's got to learn the system and just, you know, find his way in the NFL overall. So um, he can be that guy, I think, in a perfect world. But, um I, th I think it's going to take a while, even if he does. It's going to be such a funny learning curve from Zach Wilson to going from playing that conference he was and just the competition he played last season to like the NFL and all. And you're in New York, so you know the newspaper clippings and stuff are there. Yeah. I was about to but, say, forget, forget even just playing. I mean, the coach just the man was in was in Utah, and I was going to miss him. That's yeah. I mean, that's a huge culture leap. I, I, so. 
hey, there's the there's the video going around on Twitter. It's like he was standing there with all the first rounders. <laughs> he yeah. He's so uncomfortable. It's like, oh god, what am I doing here? But uh, <laughs> hey, well, speaking of the other first rounders, we're gonna keep on moving here. Wanted to talk about some of the duos that'll be reestablished. You got Devontae Smith being paired back up with Jalen Hurts. You got Jalen Waddle going to Miami with Tua. Well, j- just to be like specific, Devontae Smith going with Jalen Hurts to Philadelphia to the Eagles organization. You got Jalen Waddle going up to with, going with Tua to Miami, down to Miami, I guess you should say. And you got Jamar Chase being paired back with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So Thomas, I'm gonna go to you here first. I know you love receivers and stuff. Uh which one of those duos do, are you most excited about? I guess I should say. Uh, most excited about? Um, yeah. I mean, personally for me, uh, you know, I got to say Chase and Burrow just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a lightweight LSU fan because my boy Matthew back in the day. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, but I feel like, I feel like Waddle and Tua, Tua will have the bigger um, impact just from the jump because, I mean, you got to think about Chase. He's coming into a, a receiver room with the Bengals. That's already, um, you know, pretty nice with, with Tyler Boyd and, and guys like T. Higgins, who already got a year under their belt with Burrow. So I don't know if he's going to come there and be Burrow's, you know, number one option for day one. I think he'll get that way in the future. So I think in the long run, Chase and Burrow are the better duo. But I think Waddle and Tua are going to come out and just have an impact from the jump. And I mean, with as far as the Eagles, I mean, according to them, Hurts ain't even a starter, so we don't even know if he's gonna be the one throwing passes to Smith. So, um, yeah, so I think I think I'm gonna go with Wild on the tour uh, for right now, but in the long run, I definitely got um, Burrow and Chase. All right, what you think is Sterling? I gotta say, the most exciting is probably gonna be I think Tua and Waddle for me. Um, Waddle, Waddle having almost basically not played football for a year because he had the nasty fracture. Um, you know, he's coming back. He's electric. He can do so much things with, the, you know, offense and maybe open things up for you. Uh, they went and got to – and other reason I like this is because they went and got to a tackle that I, I, I think was a good pick in the second round from Notre Dame to get him some better protection. Um, and with those, you know, those tight ends that two, that they got down in Miami, I think Waddle going to have a lot of opportunities. And with the protection that they went and got to, I think he'll have more opportunities to, to, to connect with Waddle um, in games, whereas as opposed to – Maybe Hurts and um, Smith. I just don't know about the coaching there. I, I I don't know much about Nick Sirianni to say I think that's going to be a productive pairing. Um, the players are good, but the coaches got to put them in a good position. And with Cincinnati, they they just – they practically perform malpractice, uh, not taking Panay well you know, <laughs> any any type of, you know, actual protection. Um, you know, it, it's looked great on paper. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, you know, it'll, it'll be sad if Joe Burrow's on the ground the whole time and he's trying to throw him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm going. I think I think uh, Waddle and Tua is definitely going to have more of the impact on that. Hey, since we were talking about uh, some of the Alabama players with Devontae and Jalen Hurts and the Jalen at Waddle and Tua, really, I had to go back and look because it seems like I kept seeing, seeing Alabama's players being taken in the first round. It was six overall taken in the first round. Ten Alabama players taken in the draft, tying only Ohio State with ten picks. So, man, as a recruit, if you're sitting here watching this draft, it's like, man. Now, on the backside of that, if you are getting to play at Alabama, it's like you're elite because a lot of, there's a lot of five stars who are sitting there on the bench. But what do you guys think about so many first-rounders being taken out of Alabama and just 10 players being taken in the draft from Ohio State and both Alabama? Um, well, I mean, Bama is just – I mean, we know it's a factor. Uh, so, I, I, I think that's the biggest thing that appears to – 
coaches at the next level. It's like they know what kind of coach Coach Saban is. So in a sense, it's like he's already running a little mini NFL team down there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the main reason so many Bama guys go in the first round is because I think in, in coaches' eyes, those guys are the ones that are, are more ready to play day one. And they kind of already got a feel for how an NFL-type um, – you know, system is run and just probably the practices and, and the training and all that. Um, they know is, you know, some of the best in the country. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing for them guys. They know Bam is just like a little mini NFL factory, so they're going to come in ready to play. Yeah, Najee talked about it on first take. Um, he talked about how the competition level in practice almost raises your own level of what you feel like you can do. And it, it makes you test your limits a lot. Um, I think recruits see this. I mean, the thing with Bama is, like, it's not even the, the guys are the great players. Everybody knows who's going to the first round. It's people like um, Alex Leatherwood, who, I mean, I thought was an absolute reach at 17 for the Raiders. But, yeah. you know, that's one of those things where as a recruit, you look at it and you can say, maybe that's just the Bama factor. I mean, he gets picked there because he went to Alabama. It's not really he's I, – I don't think he should have went there at 17 personally to uh, Las Vegas, but – that's one of those things where as a recruit, you look at the you look at it and you're like, I don't think he goes there if he's not from Bama. And that almost intrigues you if you feel like you could go in the draft and maybe go early that you might get picked, you know, higher up just because you went to that school. So um and then uh, on top of that, of course you're gonna win. I don't think Nick Saban's lost. I don't think he's never not won a championship with the um without uh in a four-year cycle with with when he's brought in the class. So you're going to win a championship at some point. So. Yeah, at this point, it's like it's one, two, hopefully three, like while you're there, especially if you mm -hmm. live there. Which, looking at this thing, I even heard Alvin Kamara talking about it whenever, because he was on Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay podcast, and he was like, you into these rooms, like, because everybody won a state championship at Alabama, and most of these guys were the reason the team won it. And you go mm -hmm. into this room of running backs, and all of these guys are going to NFL, and he's like, and you a big dog, but in this room, they're a little bit bigger than you. <laughs> So that's, that's absolutely insane, the talent that's obviously around there. And it's just the amount of championships they win and the pedigree. But staying with Alabama here for a quick second. So we got Patrick Sertain, who went ninth overall to the Denver Broncos. J.C. Horn went eighth overall, standing the Carolinas, going to the Carolina Panthers. Out of those two guys, which ones of their games do you think will translate the quickest uh, to the NFL? Because we saw like guys like well, Okuda, whose game seems like it didn't translate quite as well whenever he went to the Lions this past year, but do y'all see one of these guys having one of those type of situations, or do you think both of these guys will be able to play really well and play right away? All right, go ahead, go uh, Thomas. I think that you, that you have to say. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think both of them are, are translate, uh, you know, really well. I think they both got the, the skills and just the intangibles to where um, they won't really have that big of a learning curve getting to the league. I think with Okuda, um, he really only had that one good, really breakout year um, where, and, you know, all of a sudden uh, guys, you know, just shot him up on their boards and he was the number one corner coming in. Um, but I think guys like, like J.C. Horn and Sertan, who I think both of them are three-year starters. They've been starting since their freshman year. Um, they're both guys who are pretty good at man-to-man. -man. Um, and, you know, the way we, we know the way the league is going, uh, where it's just throwing it all around the field. So uh, I think both of them will translate pretty well, but, I'm thinking maybe uh, J.C. Horn might translate a little better just because he's that real physical, you know, man-to-man -man guy who can uh, just shut down your best receiver. Um, I feel like Chetan is probably a little more versatile, uh, and he's a little better in the run game. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't think both of them will have a, a problem, but 
Um, I think I think Horn will probably be the better player from day one. And just the position he's been put in with the Panthers. I mean, I think I think both of them are, are going there, uh, being looked at as, you know, day one starters. But um, I think the Panthers, you know, they're really looking at him uh, to just strap up that second side on the other side of uh, Dante Jackson. So I think I'm going to go with Horn having a better uh, impact from day one. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think I slightly agree with you with that. I, I think um, being that JC played in a system in college where you know there's a lot of like one high stuff, and he was going to be manned up, and uh, most of the time you can kind of see why he could go so high, like in his like you know completion rate. I mean, or opponent completion percentage against him being you know very low, and and usually star receivers not having their best day against him. Um, I think certain they're both going to be very successful having both came from football backgrounds, NFL backgrounds. Um, they're clearly going to be good on the IQ. There's, that's going to be an issue about it. And they all got the physical tools. Um, I do think Sertan may be a slightly better tackler than JC. Um, but I think JC is so physical at the line scrimmage. He can give a lot of big guys a lot of trouble. And, and given that he's in a division where um, one of the division rivals just took Kyle Pitts, I, I think we can see a lot of exciting matchups there. Um, and even and even along with Sertan having a division where he's gonna have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and and uh, in Las Vegas you got Waller. And it, there's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of exciting matchups for these guys in the, in, the, in the league. And I think I think JC will translate maybe a little better, but I think Sertan is a slightly better tackle. But they'll, they'll both be great. I feel like so. And with Sterling saying they're both coming from the NFL backgrounds, that's both of their parents' uh, dads play in the NFL. Which I thought is so crazy how kind of much alike these guys are. Both pair of their dads played in the NFL. One was just first team All SEC, seven their second team All SEC. Very similar guys. Uh, you mentioned it. Cal Pitts went fourth overall to the Falcons. Do the Falcons use him more as a wide receiver or a tight end? And do you all believe that Julio should spend his last days in Atlanta? I'll go to you first, Sterling. I think. Um, I think. With what Arthur Smith does offensively, uh, give he's going to have a lot of two tights. Um, he's going to get pitched in a situation where he's not going to be necessarily a tight end, but he's going to get opportunities to get really good mismatches just based off of just how the scheme sets him up. And with that, you could you know maybe space him out a little more, uh, maybe get him on a smaller cornerback at times if you want to, maybe. Uh, you know, get up, obviously get him on linebackers and make him pay if they try to do that or, or safety if you feel like they're slow. Uh, I think he'll just be he'll just be one of those those guys. He goes everywhere. I don't think you can really limit pitch to one position, um, but they will use him in tight end in sets just because of you know his size is naturally being a tight end. Um, but I, I, and with Julio, I think we've seen the story with Julio before. He's not going nowhere. <laughs> Julio not getting traded. You're not going to draft Kyle Pitts. And put this much stress on teams and then trade Julio just to take it back off of it. No, but <laughs> Julio will be there. That's a good point. Julio's gonna be in Atlanta. Hey, uh, Thomas, you about on the same thing, or you you on the opposite end of the spectrum? Yeah, um, I'll, yeah, I, I, I agree with Sterling. Um, I think uh, I think Pitcher in that system, I think he'll definitely be the the tight end that they use more as receiver, um, especially just because of the way he's built. Um, he's not necessarily like a huge tight end to where he's just always going to be in the trenches, you know, run blocking or anything. Um, and yeah, you know, I think I was thinking the exact same thing with Julio. I mean, why put, you know, why scare teams like that with the possibility of what that offense could be just to ship Julio off? And I mean, if anything, Pitts will open up more for Julio because I mean, he's not a slouch. So guys are going, 
he keyed in on him now coming into games. And, you know, you got him along with, with Hurst. I think it's still there, Hayden Hurst at the other tight end spot. And then, uh, you know, Julio and Ridley on the outside. I mean, that's, that'll just take the pressure off them. So, yeah, I don't think Julio's going anywhere. We, If you go to Atlanta, you should see – what did they used to call it? The greatest show on turf. There should be yeah. flying around at all points in times, like <laughs> running backs between Gurley, Ridley – Pitts now, and then you got Julio, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Grady Jarrett continues to do what he does there. And then if you're talking about another Clemson guy, AJ Terrell and company, but we're gonna leave the SEC. God, it seems like every draft you talk about is nothing but SEC. But uh, you got <laughs> you got a guy who came from an SEC program, and Justin Fields, who goes 11th overall to the Chicago Bears, which is which is I guess we're hoping a lot of people hoping it's gonna be a good fit for him. But we do know a lot of quarterbacks have went to Chicago and kind of struggled a little bit. Do y'all believe Justin Fields is the guy to get the uh, the Chicago Bears, like just kind of to be the guy to finally get their offense kind of going in the right direction? And does he play right away or does he sit for a while and then come in later? Thomas, I'm coming to you for this one. Um, I, I definitely think Fields is that guy for the future. Um, I think it was a good pick because, I mean, I don't think the – I mean, not the Falcons. I don't think the Bears really um, – expected to to get him at all coming into the draft. So I feel like this was kind of, um, you know, I, I was talking during the draft. I feel like that was a little bit of a makeup for that, uh, for that D-Watt debacle and stuff they had the other year too. where they drafted Trubisky instead of uh, Mahomes and D-Watt. So I feel like this is them kind of righting that wrong, um, getting that same kind of quarterback as them, mobile guy with a strong arm. Um, but I mean, he, he's backing up a guy in Dalton who's again, you know, he's not some slouch. He's a, a real season veteran who has, you know, some playoff experience. So he might not necessarily come in and take the job by training camp or anything. Um, but I feel like if Dalton doesn't just get off to a crazy hot start, people are just going to be chomping at the bit to see fields. So the Bears might not have a choice but to throw him in there. So, um, I don't think he'll start the season off, but I'm thinking maybe by the middle or end of the year, he'll, he'll be the guy. Okay. Sterling. Yeah, I, this is definitely going to be a situation where midway through the year they make the switch. Um, Matt Nagy's job is on the line right now. <laughs> uh, I think this is this going to be eerily similar to Deshaun uh, when he got drafted to Houston, and Bill O'Brien was kind of teetering at that point in time, and yeah. then Deshaun comes in and basically saves his job. This is going. I, I just have to feel this will be the exact same thing. Um, Andy Dalton will start the season, I'm sure, uh, that, so they can get Justin Fields completely ready, but. I think uh, let's say Dalton loses more games than he should, which might not even be his fault. He's he's probably gonna lose just because he's not gonna do nothing special. They'll insert Fields. He'll win them again. They're not supposed to win. Maybe going to run here and there, and it'll save Nagy's job because right now Ryan Pace um, with this draft, you know, is, is really trying to clean up some. Uh, I guess some not even some of his mistakes because he's done well with the, with the roster, but uh, you know the big one was taking Trubisky, and then I think. Being there and seeing fields fall out of the top 10 and you kind of sitting there like you have to pull the trigger there and go to trade up and get him was great. And also making another trade in the second round to get Tevin Jenkins was also good for that franchise, getting them an offensive tackle because the Bears up front last year were horrendous. Um, so I think fields, I think fields comes into a better situation than anticipated than I thought it was because when I saw Chicago trade up. I knew immediately those taking them and I felt awful. I was like, oh, my God. Chicago. <laughs> Why? And then they said the car. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was very sad. But uh, seeing them get Jenkins in the third, in the second round encouraged me. Uh, seeing them draft another tackle in the, in the fifth encouraged me. So I, I see 
they're, they're already starting the, the, the path of trying to make sure that he's set up to be successful and not trying to throw him in there and get him killed, uh, so to speak. So I, I, he, he will be the guy in Chicago. Uh, I kind of like what Kuyper said. He's, he's already the second best QB in the division. <laughs> so uh, that gives him a shot. That gives him a shot. And that defense is always going to be there. So he doesn't have to be, he, he doesn't have to be spectacular yet, but, you know, he'll be, I'm sure he'll, he'll win them games if they couldn't win. And he might just lead them to the playoffs this year, so. Gotcha. So we're going to see what happens with there in Chicago. We're going to go to Dallas real quick. It was funny because Dallas really watched both corners that they were considering, I think, go right in front of them until by the time they picked, I think it was a number 10 overall. Both guys had just been taken. So they ended up with Mika Parsons, which is by no chance a slight. A lot of people were thinking he might be the best defensive player coming out of the draft. He's a linebacker coming out of Penn State. Uh, they they kind of still have some questions about his little hazing situation. I, I heard them mention out of Google that y'all go Google that if y'all want the details. But uh, kind of, but you know, you need that linebackers a little bit. So uh, my question <laughs> to all is, <laughs> where does Mika Parsons fit in that linebacker room with Vanderich and Jalen Smith? Uh, Sterling, I'll come with here you here first. Yeah, I was confused by this pick. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, <laughs> I was kind of looking at Dallas like. Ah, uh, man, stable game. Okay, I was looking at Dallas a little confused. I feel like they didn't come into this draft better prepared than they should have been. Um, when you watch your two guys off the board, I, I feel like they should have had a better backup than taking Michael Parsons here at twelve because he was the best guy there. Um, just looking at what they've done in the offseason, they they got Dan Quinn to become their D their uh, D coordinator, and he's going to bring in you know a heavy cover three type scheme there, but Dan Quinn doesn't blitz linebackers, and Micah Parsons' best attribute is ability to blitz, so I don't really understand why you take him there if you're going to take a linebacker, and then eventually take another linebacker and Jabril Cox in the fourth round. It just, it wasn't making any sense to me, um, but given that he's a special talent, and maybe he, he was one of those guys that you just take him there, and if you fit the um, but, uh, you know, with Van Der Esch being hurt all the time, I guess I see why. Um, and, you know, with Jalen Smith being the other guy, you paid him all that money, he's going to play. He's going to be there. But with Van Der Esch's in injury history and Sean Lee getting injured, I can see why you would do take a linebacker. I just don't know if that's the guy you take, given what his best traits are. So it, it's kind of tough. It's, I, I don't really know. Gotcha. What you thinking, Thomas? Yeah, um, I'm, I think Sterling's right on the money with it. I'm, I was thinking the same thing at first uh, on draft night. I was real confused by the pick. Um, I mean, you know, my, my first instinct was, you know, like you said, thinking about the Sean Lee retirement um, and, you know, how, how injury-prone Vander S is. But um, but still, I, I, I thought the Cowboys would take uh, Farley with that 12th pick. Um, he slid a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew they were going to want either Horn or Sertan. Uh, but even once he got picked up, I mean, I, I thought they would get a guy in Farley um, who coming in, you know, when he first opted out, guys were talking about him as, you know, maybe the number one corner in the draft. So I thought they would still pick him up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was confused a little bit with the Parsons pick and, um, you know, a couple rounds later, you go and get Jabril Cox from LSU. Um, so you draft two linebackers. So, I mean, I understand it from the competition aspect, but uh, I, I think it will kind of be hard maybe to get uh, – one of those guys on the field, you know, once the season starts. So it, it, it was a little confusing. I'll say that. Okay, so we're going to switch gears here. Uh, Thomas, so I'm coming to you. Thomas is Minnesota Vikings fan, in case you all didn't know. How did you like how y'all drafted? Did you think y'all had a good draft, or are you kind of like, what is, what's going on here? 
Um, I think we had a pretty good draft. I mean, you know, uh, when, you're, when, when you don't necessarily draft just an abundance of skilled players, guys might look at it as, as not being that good of a draft. But that really ain't where we needed our help, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So I think we got stronger on the offensive line, which we needed. Um, we got a, a couple guys in the secondary that we needed. Um, so, I mean, overall, yeah, I think my Vikings had a pretty good draft. I'm not going to lie. I did not like the Kellen Mond pick. <laughs> just because I did not, I, I didn't like Kevin Bond at Texas A&M. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I mean, he, he, you know, he won a couple good games while he was there, but I don't know. I just, I, I never liked Mond when he was at Texas A&M. So, um, I feel like if we were going to draft a quarterback, um, I can't exactly remember who was still on the board at that time, but um, yeah, Mond, I, I, I wasn't really too happy with that pick. Sterling, you I'm like Mond? Are you a fan of Mond, Sterling? I think he's. I think he can be really good. I, I think. I think Kellen Mond. He just looks nasty. That's that's the only thing. Like, he's, he's, <laughs> the way he moves is just kind of just. It just looks weird and, and ill. But I think. But at like. But as you're watching him play, like there's moments where you're looking at Kellen Mond, like that guy could could potentially lead a team to you know a deep run in the playoffs and maybe a Super Bowl, depending on how hot he gets, because he does have physical tools that. You search Kirk Cousins like at least if, if if I'm gonna have a dude go through play action progressions and drop back, I need him. I need at least a third option if nobody's open, he can take off and run it. Or um, we're looking at a guy like like Mon. Like Mon just makes smart decisions. I, I feel like he's he's one of those guys. He really he really takes care of the football. He pride he takes pride in that. Um, we see with the way he I mean just simply holds the football. It looks nasty, but it's very fundamental and technical. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. I like the mom pick. I think he was the best QB there at that point in time. I wouldn't take anybody else over him at that point, um, especially given that Kirk Cousins doesn't take you anywhere. So, um, Sterling, what I, did I like you, uh, Sterling, y'all as a Carolina Panthers fan. Sterling, did you like y'all's draft? Or what, what were you thinking about how the Panthers did? I think we had a great draft. No, like literally no bias. But I think we had a great draft. Uh, getting JC at eight, I, I will say I was surprised that we took him. Um, not surprised. I wasn't, I was surprised that we took him, but I wasn't, but I wasn't upset at all that we took him just given that our cornerbacks aren't, um, having a little depart. And JC was, I think one of those guys in the draft where he was like a once, not a once in a generation type cornerback, but, but JC and Sertan were the two best pure, just clear cut cornerbacks in the draft. And given that that was a huge need for us on defense, I liked the pick, um, getting Terrence Marshall in the second was, was a pleasant surprise to me. Um, Cause I thought he was really good. He possibly could have went first round. Uh, so getting him where we got him in the second, um, I like that a lot. Uh, and then we did get um, Sam some offensive tackle help from BYU. He's a really good tackle. Yeah, he went and um, then we got in the third. Uh, getting us an extra tight end was really nice for us. I just feel like we drafted overall like just really well um, in terms of team, in terms of filling team needs, and also. Uh, getting great value at the picks that we got him at. I mean, so I, I, I like the draft that we had. Um, I think we improved. Also, also another thing, so we don't run CMC to the ground. We, we got Shuba in the fourth round, which I thought was amazing. So I, I liked it. I liked the draft that we had. All right, Sterling, I'm going to ask you this, and then I'm coming back to you, Thomas, in a second. Sterling, who did you think had the – which team do you think had the best draft and which team did you think – uh, I think you told me the other day that you thought Cincinnati didn't draft well. So just give me your best team that you thought drafted well and the team that you didn't just didn't understand what their moves were. It's okay. So I think a lot of teams drafted pretty. I think a lot of teams drafted really well. Uh, to say who had the best draft, uh, that's a tough one. 
because as long as I get to see like how they perform. But I think I think the Jets, um, given what they did in the draft, I think they drafted really really well. Um, they possibly had the best draft. I, I loved the, what the Lions did in the draft as well. And, you know, it didn't look flashy to a lot of people, but what the Lions in the draft was 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 really good as well. Um, it's tough to choose who had probably the best draft. I'd say maybe the Lions. Um, the Patriots had a sneaky good draft as well. Uh, but I think for, you know, just team trying to restart the culture and, and bring things in, I think the Jets had a really good draft. So I'm going to go with the Jets. I'm going to give them an A-plus for, the for, for their draft in terms of how they drafted guys. The worst draft, though, I, I mean, this, this is a couple of teams I'm looking at here. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders, my God, I, I don't understand what they if they if they if they was high during the draft, if they was drunk during the draft, I don't know what they had going on. Taking Alice Leatherwood 17 just just instantly just put a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals I already said I already said what I had to say about Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, you got Panesuel dropped you at five. He, he's going to be an All Pro uh, left tackle for you to, to protect the guy who just tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus and P, whatever he just tore. But you take a, but you take a receiver there, and, and, and no, that's fine. You take a receiver there. That's great and all, but if you're going to replace somebody, if you're going to replace that pick you just had with a person to protect them, you don't take Jackson Carmen from Clemson in the second round. I just don't understand <laughs> what the Cincinnati Bengals were doing. It was baffling to me. The Raiders were, were the Raiders were drafting players that, that were good players, but they don't fit what they're trying to do on defense right now specifically. And then last but not least, there was another team. I can't remember the name. Who, who had the worst? It was the Raiders. It was the Bengals, and it was another team that I just looked at, and I was like, what are you doing? Uh, it might have been the Cowboys as well. Because it, it was very confusing to me in terms of what they was trying to do, um, in terms of filling their holes. Oh, oh, I forgot. I forgot. Cleveland had a really good draft as well. Cleveland Cleveland had a really good draft as well. Getting Newsom there, put some pressure on Greedy Williams to um, – to, to develop and, and really show out. And then to somehow get Jeremiah Owusu in the second round, which where, where they got him was just ridiculous to me. So I think Cleveland, and, and um, also getting LeCount from Georgia, I think Cleveland had a really good draft as well. But the Bengals and the Raiders, good Lord. I, I don't understand what they had going on that day. So, and the Cowboys, I just, that's just me. Okay. So that is funny. Okay. Y'all, we're about to wrap it up. But just for some local guys, I'm coming here. I'm coming here to you, Thomas. I see we got Amari Rogers that went to the Packers from Clemson. He's Amari Rogers has been like a five-star guard like his whole entire like he went very highly touted from I want to feel I want to say Knoxville Catholic to Clemson. Now he's going to the Packers. I think that's going to be a great fit. Cornell Powell is going to Kansas City. Uh, Thomas, do you Thomas you watched a lot of Amari Rogers or Cornell Powell, or are you kind of well versed in them, or where, where are you kind of with those guys? Um, I saw – I definitely watched the most of them. Well, yeah, I, I say Rodgers, you know, because Rodgers has been in the mix at Clemson for a while now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think all of us really got our first look at, at corner power this year since he was uh, in that starting role. So, yeah, I, I've seen a good bit of film on, uh, on both of them. Yeah, when I, Cornell Powell, I think the the clip that kind of puts on everybody's mind is what he did to Sean Wade, and I saw it circulating on Twitter, and the yeah. that I was in the college football playoff, and it's just like, oh man! So obviously he's going into a crowded room of receivers in Kansas City. Uh, I know I, I love what Stefan Diggs said on the I Am Athlete podcast. He was like, sometimes it's kind of 
like it's good to get drafted late because then what ends up happening is you go into these camps fighting for the position because he said a lot of times he noticed guys that are drafted a little bit early kind of come in the training camp like the position is theirs and he's like that's just simply not the case being that yeah. Dave was a later rounded drafted guy Sterling I'm coming to you why Bryce Thompson pretty good cornerback at Tennessee why do you think he slid to end up going undrafted to the Saints I don't think teams could bring themselves to have value in drafting him anywhere in this draft, given his off the field issues. It's just it's like, the stuff Bryce was. It's just the the things that were in the paper, in the news, on Twitter, on Snapchat. It just wasn't you at that point in time. There's there's a certain things you just cannot do. You're trying to become a draft pick, and I mean, it might not it might not even be his fault the things that, that was going around about him. But when those those things get into NFL front offices and they and they take that stuff seriously, these guys are <laughs> drafting to invest money in you. And they, they cannot trust you to be there when they need you to be at all times. They cannot simply draft you to, and to then further invest money in you. It's just that, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about the situation. I mean, I think Bryce is a really good player. I think Bryce, truthfully, was really a third-round talent. But all the other stuff is what derailed him and, and obviously caused him to drop because it couldn't have been it couldn't have been the tape and it couldn't have been how he tested. He tested well. He t- his tape was was pretty good. So that's something I can come to. The conclusion is the stuff that was not that just didn't need to be out there in the street. That was out there in the street about um, and, and and heard from um, and heard from NFL GMs around the place. Oh yeah, I know we're off the top. Of the I forgot the Baltimore Ravens had a good draft as well. They always draft well. Yeah, you yeah, shot. But- Stole Sean Wade in the fifth round and got Rashad Bateman. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I forgot about the Ravens. I was about to say Ozzie Newsman. Was it Ozzie News? News? How you say his name? His last name? Yeah, Ozzie Newsman. Yeah, he. Yeah, he was. Uh, he always drafts well. And I'd seen that uh, even with his position now, he still helps a lot in the scouting department. His whole his famous expression is "trust what your eyes see." Thomas, I'm coming here to you. Ernest Jones goes to the Rams. I want to say that was the third round. Is that correct? Do you think that was a good pickup for him? Yeah, I think that was a good pickup for the Rams. Um, Both showing up that defense, um, you know, getting a guy in the middle uh, who's a good athlete, you know, can run sideline to sideline. Like I said, the way that the league is moving nowadays, you need those guys who – um, you know, ain't just those those big run stopping, you know, Ray Lewis type of guys who, you know, I mean Ray Lewis, you know, arguably greatest linebacker all the time. But um, you know, yeah, I think it's good the Rams uh, were able to pick up a guy like that. I think I think he'll translate well to the league. Okay. And last but not least, fellas, before we shut the show down for this time, Shy Smith to the Panthers, Sterling. Sterling, but me and Sterling were talking about this because I was surprised he was dropping so much because he ended up dropping behind yeah. El Powell. I was like, oh, I think a lot of people on Twitter were like, is this the same guy that went off against Auburn and was kind of with Carolina's <laughs> whole offense? And yeah. Colin Hill went to, I think Colin Hill went to the Bengals. I just saw that and undrafted for agent. But Tom, I mean, but Sterling, how do you feel about you getting some more with Shy Smith and him coming to the Panthers? Uh, I wasn't. I'll, I'll say this. I was not surprised he dropped. I I don't know why people had so much like mocks of him in the fourth. I just didn't see what team was going to take him there for what reason. I kept saying like I don't know if you're going to bring Shine to be or you're not going to bring him to be your number one. You're not going to bring just be a slot guy. He could just draft. We can just sign slot guys off you know off the free agent market. Um, at that point in time, but I just didn't see why you know people thought he was going to go fourth and fifth in terms of you know becoming to be an instant starter at receiver or something like that. But I will say, let's get him in the sixth round. I, I like 
where we got him at because I don't, you know, we didn't have to move to get him. We didn't trade up or do anything crazy like that. But he kind of just fell there um, throughout the draft. And, and I think Shy, and I honestly feel like Shy, if he puts his mind to it and commits to it, can really be an all-pro type special teams guy. He can either be a gunner on punt, he can he can be a kickoff returner, he can be a punt returner. You know all those things, um, special teams, and that's that's completely fine. That that that's money to be made in that. So and that's a long career there to be a, to be a good special teams guy. Now, as we all know, injuries happen, and um, given that Carolina isn't you know the the greatest receiving team, yeah, we got Robbie and DJ, and um, uh, we just got the dude Terrace. <laughs> um, we did let go of Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, we signed David Moore, but he, he's not a game breaker or anything. So, you know, if injuries happen and then things bounce sideways, he shows out, then I think, you know, he could maybe be a really good um, piece under in the receiving court for us. But I think getting him in the sixth round, I like getting him in the sixth round. I just don't want to take him in the fourth or fifth, you know, when there's, when there's guys I feel like that could improve the team instantly better now at that point in time than taking him at that. But get him in the sixth is, get him in the sixth is, 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 a, good, is a good deal for us. And I saw he picked up the Adidas sponsorship or endorsement deal as well. So I'm sure Shy Smith will be playing motivated. I remember when he came into camp for Carolina, I want to – what was the wide receivers coach? McClendon. Brian McClendon was like, he hadn't seen too many freshmen that came in that ready to go. So hopefully he comes into training camp in Carolina and Charlotte. Or, well, I think they do training camp at Wofford. So hopefully he yeah. comes in ready to go. And we will see what uh, what happens there. But uh, that's all I have today for you all. Y'all have any last things or y'all good to go? Good to go. I mean, I guess I'll bring up Israel going to Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to bring him up. Israel. Oh, yeah. Mamu Cook. How you say his name? Ukwamu. Oh, my gosh, guys. Oh, my gosh. What? I forgot, I forgot the league should be thrown under the jail uh, for this uh, – for allowing Kansas City to do what they did in this draft. I forgot him. I forgot. I remember I'm like, everybody had a really good draft. My God, did, did, did the Chiefs not get richer? You, you get a linebacker, Nick Bolton, who's an absolute dog from Missouri. Creed Humphrey to, to help buffer your offensive line that you're already making look, look like it worked. Cornell Powell. And then you still, Trey Smith, who was the number one high school player coming out <laughs> and just select him in the sixth round. I, I had no words, but yeah, Israel, <laughs> but but yeah, Israel. Um, Israel going to to Dallas was um he dropped. I'm, I'm sure he he felt like he dropped farther than he should have dropped. I, I thought he was about where he would have gone, um, but he's going to a really good situation. I feel like for him, this is going to be his best opportunity to perform. Um, given that you know Dan Quinn's going to play that cover three, it, it allows him to be what he is—a tall, long, rangy corner. Um. In the play, just in kind of in space, not to worry about pressing none of that. Stuff, just play in space and, and read your keys correctly. So I think Israel could, he could maybe become Dallas. You know, he could maybe be their best corner based on how he plays and how he performs in that system. So, uh, but I mean, good for him. He got drafted, um, and I think I think the other guys went places. I think the fullback from USC went to Denver. Uh, Hutcherson. I thought Hutcherson would have got drafted. He he's in Tampa Bay now, and then Colin Hill signed with the Bengals, and everybody hated him for it. I, I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> everybody's upset the man signed with the team. So I, I don't know. That's so bad. Whenever the home fan base is like, "God, he signed him," it's like you and everybody like. Yes, that was that was crazy. I, I, <laughs> that was crazy. 
Twitter is undefeated, man. We watching this draft. It's like, especially the last couple of days, you know, everybody's kind of focused on that first round, but after those, it's just like who you see some of these guys end up with. And, and obviously an undrafted free agent, you saw Deion Sanders was mad that no HBCU guys was drafted. And so he's definitely going to put the work. He even said that uh, he was like, he knows that they played some guys this season where he's like, some of these guys should have been drafted. So hopefully we will see that happening in the future. <laughs> what did you say? I said, that's why Deion Center is doing what he's doing. Exposure. Yep. He's about to get the boys right. I think Eddie George is going to Tennessee State, too. So, And then they even said Ray Lewis, and there was one other guy. I can't think of his name. I think he played with the Ravens. He said that he's trying to get into uh, head coaching as well. So a lot of HBCUs about to get these legendary head coaches, and we're going to see what happens from there. But that is all I have for you today. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Best analyst in the game per the Instagram bio account. <laughs> and that's all we have for today. Peace. <laughs>